Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a Q&A that is jam-packed with training and nutrition questions. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to make a couple quick announcements, and then we're going to get right into the questions. The first one is I want to take this time to shout out our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Top Notch Nutrition. You can save 10 to 15% on any supplement purchased right now if you click the link in the show notes or head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash discount slash boom boom. Um, I believe on previous episodes, I kept saying slash discounts, then boom boom. If that doesn't work, type in discount. It's either count or counts, but I'm pretty sure it's discount or just click the link in the show. It's way easier that way. Um, they actually just came out with an immune supplement that I highly recommend to a lot of people. Um, just given the state of the world and what's going on and the fact that we're indoors more, we're not getting as much sunlight. It's really, really important to protect your immune system right now, um, which you can do through training, obviously healthy nutrition, but you can also take some kind of supplementation to boost your immune system um, and kind of provide you that multivitamin bang for your buck. And their immune product is really cool. It's really good. Um, I take it every day and you can grab that now. Um, the other announcement real quick, guys, if you want to help me grow this podcast, which I would highly appreciate, head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review. If you do not have an Apple iPhone, I believe you can still search the podcast on Google and just do it on your browser. I had a couple of people ask me that question like, hey, I have an Android. How do I leave you a review? Um, I'm pretty sure you can just Google search the podcast. You should be able to view uh, iTunes on a browser window for our podcast, and you can leave us a, a five-star rating and review there, and I would really appreciate it. You can also head over to Instagram and share a screenshot of the episode and tag me so I can share it on my story and spread the message even more. All right, without any further ado, let's get into the questions. Do I need, like, uh, nipple cones? <laughs> to hold your shirt away? Yeah, actually, let's have some random banter before we get into the podcast. We can start it right there. Um, so two things. Just a funny funny story about the tattoo situation. Just so, explain what happened. So, oh, well, I mean. That you got a tattoo. Yeah, so I got my entire chest tattooed. And three days, I was planning on two. We got done with day one. He's like, dude, there's no way. I need you for another day. I was like, fuck. All right. And it, that was day one was on the sternum horribly painful you went thursday friday saturday yeah no uh wednesday thursday friday so i ended up having to skip the the oh, warrior yay. event on friday i mean Ouch. i had been doing the the warrior thing for eight weeks so I, like i did the whole thing it was just like that last finale thing that i had to miss because he takes three years to book with now yeah, yeah, so yeah i was yeah, like yeah, yeah not doing it but uh we were on day two and so he did the chest in the middle, and then we were on day two, which is the was the cheer up, which is the side that's not healing right right now because I ripped a piece off of my shirt, um, which I should know better. I've had so many tattoos. I was gonna say, like, dude, like I was talking never to him been on the, phone. the healing process before. I was talking to him on the phone, and he was like, you could tell he was trying to make sure I didn't like blame him, and he was like, you know, like there was nothing I did wrong, but I was like, dude, I'm not blaming you. I fucked up. Like, 
I have plenty of tattoos. You've tattooed me for three days straight before. Like, I don't know why I put a shirt on. Um, but it's hard to not have a shirt on for four days. Yeah. Like literally just all day. So I'd leave the tattoo shop, <laughs> walking to my truck in Seattle shirtless, get in my truck, drive home, <laughs> eat dinner shirtless, yeah. hang out shirtless, wake up shirtless. I worked from home all day shirtless on Monday. Like, what do you, what do you think, Shannon? <laughs> all day long. All day. What do you think of me? Dream come true. <laughs> uh, no, she was like, she, her, I mean, I, I think most women have a higher pain tolerance than men. So she was like, just stop complaining. And I was like, all right. Cause I just bitched to her. Yeah. Like, oh, my chest hurts. <laughs> Help me. But, uh, so, so day two, he's, he's doing the cheer up, which is a baby angel. It's on the other side and he puts the stencil on. And I noticed that, you know, the stencil goes over my nipple. And so I'm like, hey, just just curious, man. You're not tattooing my nipple, are you? He was like, yeah, I am. I was like, no, but for real, are you, like, you're actually going to tattoo my nipple? He was like, I'm right over it. Just go right over the nipple. And so we're just staring at each other. And he's dead serious. And I'm like worried. And I'm, I'm like, can you not? <laughs> well, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. And I was like, are you serious? Like, dude, are you sure? I don't think I want my nipple tatted. Like, that's going to hurt. Yeah. And it would look weird having no nipples. And yeah. he was like, no, it'll look weird if you have nipples with a, with a chest piece. Just trust me. I was like, fuck. All right. Most painful thing ever. He did it. Oh, he 100% tattooed my nipples. Oh, my God. Dude, it hurts so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, the very, very tip <laughs> yeah. didn't. Like, he didn't do that part, thank God. But the whole entire thing, he did. Wow. Dude, it was painful as hell. That was yeah. the worst part, honestly. Um, but just, like, his stare. Yeah, dude, I'm going right over your nipple. Just staring at me. <laughs> I was like seriously concerned. <laughs> but yeah, now it's uh now I'm just like can't move. It's done. This is the first shirt I've worn in a few days. Actually feels really good to wear a shirt. Oh, and then another thing, it's the countdown to my birthday slash charity thing. We're getting ready to wrap up. We we finished the shirt design. I should say Shannon finished the shirt design. She's doing all of it. Um, but just wanna shout out two things about charity. Um Number one, guys, stay tuned. July 24th. I don't know when this airs, but that won't be that long after this airs. I mean, we're already in a few weeks away from that as we're recording this. Um, on my birthday, we're going to launch it. We probably will only have them live for a couple days because my birthday is on a Friday, I think. So we'll probably do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, maybe. Definitely not a full week. So, um, But it's all going to go to charity. We'll announce the charity soon. Uh, every, all the proceeds are going to go. And then uh, Shannon and I are going to match whatever we do. So if the shirts raise X amount of dollars, we're going to match that. So the charity gets double the amount that the shirts do uh, to make sure that we're supporting. And the other thing about charity that I was going to bring up is just a humble brag about somebody on our team. So one of our core values is being a go-giver. Like all the people on our team have that book. They've all read the book, The Go-Giver. We, I mean, what we do for a living is about giving, right? And like I always make sure that's like a big emphasis with everything we do. We're always trying to provide more value um, in any way that we can. And that's part of the reason why we donate to Children's Hunger Fund every single month. Um, but I got an email from Lisa. Lisa's so fucking awesome. This morning, because it's payroll day, and she was like, how do I set it up so 5% of every single paycheck I make goes right to uh, Andrea's uh, orphanage in mm. Mexico? Because – for those who don't know, Andre is my uh, mentor, our mentor. He owns just one right now. I think they're building the second school, but um, an orphanage, and it's it's a, it's a charity-based thing, and they they house thousands of kids yeah. who are homeless and sick, and it's it's just so crazy. Um, 
But she was like, I want to give up a part of my paycheck every single month to Damn. go to that. I was like, that's pretty sick. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how we do that yet. Let me <laughs> talk to Andreas and I'll figure out how to direct that. But man, that's cool. Wow, that I was really super cool. proud of her for doing that. And just, it just goes to show that like, it's not just me saying like, oh, we're go-givers. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody really, that's yeah. why everybody's a part of the team. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, so shout out to Lisa. You're fucking awesome. Yeah. Proud of you. Damn, that's awesome, Lisa. Yeah. So I was pumped about that. Humble brag. I love our uh, team, man. I say it all the time, but it's crazy. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I agree. Um, so if it, anybody was wondering, this is a Q&A episode today. Yeah, this is a Q&A. So <laughs> we got a bunch of questions that we want to dive into. Um, so here we go. The first one is from Christina Lyron. Is there any risk for people that follow and create their own meal plan and eat the same things for a couple weeks at a time? Or is, it, or is switching up your food every couple weeks all right? Um, I think it's totally fine. I, there's, you know, there was, there's only really one study that goes into this uh, because most research, from my understanding, if you're going to put people on a, a specific diet or meal plan, most of the time they are going to eat the same thing every day because trying to control a study and giving them food variety every day is hard. So rather we're like, hey, your diet's 2,000 calories. Here's your four meals to hit those. We're going to eat those every day for eight weeks during the study. You know what I mean? It makes yeah. it very, very simple. Um, if you get a variety of foods within that meal plan, I don't think you're going to run into any issues as far as micronutrient deficiencies or anything like that, immune and health function issues or anything. But there was one study that compared flexible dieting versus meal plans. And it's basically like, all right, these guys are eating a meal plan, bodybuilding style every single day. Same thing. Mm -hmm. This group is calories equated, going to be flexible. So they can eat whatever they want within that diet um, as long as they hit their calories. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people assumed their like hypothesis was of this was, well, if you're following a meal plan, you're eating these good foods, you're probably going to be better off from a health perspective, right? Micronutrients. Yeah. Um, but they found the opposite because when we think flexible dieting, we assume people are going to fit like Doritos and Oreos and shit into their diet. But the reality of, of flexible dieting is, is far from that. Most people who practice flexible dieting just choose the healthy foods they eat. And every once in a while they fit some fucking halo top ice cream. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not anything crazy. Um, and what they found is the people that had the flexible diet actually had greater micronutrient, uh, variety and diversity. So what that means is this group had more freedom to have a variety of fruits. So they probably changed their fruit every day. They probably changed the vegetables they eat every day, so on and so forth. Um, and they had better, a better result from that. So, I, but I don't think there's anything wrong with eating the same thing every day. For example, I eat the same lunch, breakfast and lunch every single day because I get a variety within those. I get different protein sources, different vegetable sources, different fat sources, different fruits in each of those meals. So I'm getting a wide variety and I just keep those stationary because it's easier for me to stay consistent if I do that. And consistency and adherence long-term is more important yeah. than switching up the color of your berries every day. Yeah. Um, that being said, I do try to switch up my berries when I can, like raspberry, strawberry, blueberry, and then rotate. And yep. just, just because. Um, and then dinner, I change the greens I eat every single day. But it's always greens, right? So it's – I'm like kind of in that middle of like doing the same shit every day and then also changing because our dinner changes quite minimal. a bit. But but minimal, yeah. Because yeah. I think it, there's there's a hierarchy here, right? Like what's, what's going to be the easiest thing for you to consistently adhere to? that's going to be the best bet because if you can consistently follow a diet for a longer period of time, the health result of that is going to be greater than the health result of a diet that has a ton of different foods in it. For sure. Um, but last thing I will say with this is if you're eating the same thing every day for weeks on end, 
and it's very bland. Like you, you, you're doing it super bro style where breakfast is egg whites and then every other meal is chicken. Cause that's like literally people yeah. old school prepping for a bodybuilding show is like breakfast in the morning was like eggs, maybe some spinach in there. And then every other meal was chicken, rice, asparagus with olive oil. You get your monounsaturated fat, you get your greens, you get your starchy carb that's easy to digest, and then you get your protein, chicken. And you just repeat that four times a day. Yeah. Like, that's probably not going to be a good thing because you're only getting the nu- nutritional value that those things provide. And some of them aren't even that nutrient-dense. Like, chicken breast is good protein, but it's not that nutrient-dense yeah. compared to, like, a steak. There's yeah. tons of vitamins and minerals in that. Um, white rice is literally nothing. It's just starch. Carbs. Which is great for performance and muscle, but it's not the best for vitamins and minerals. Um, so I think there's a balance to be had. I I personally find that clients have the best success when almost half or slightly more of their diet is like routine. It's basically the same thing, right? Like, like again, example of, I always have eggs and oats in the morning, but I could have oats 20 different ways. I could put berries in, I could put a banana, I could put peanut butter in it, I could put cinnamon in it. But I have oats every day. It keeps it the same. It makes adherence easy. But you can change little things to just keep it going. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. To make it not so complacent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next question is coming from Mary Kane. She says, for refeed days, do you how do you make sure the refeed's caloric intake stays within your weekly cl- calorie deficit if it is a higher calorie day? Repeat that one more time. So f- for refeed days. How do you make sure the the refeed's caloric intake stays within your weekly calorie deficit uh, if it is a higher calorie day? Got it. So um, the best the best way to do this is it, it, like literally busting out the calculator. Decide what your daily intake needs to be to lose weight. Don't mm-hmm. worry about refeeds. Don't worry about anything. What does your daily intake need to be in order to lose weight, lose body fat, to be in a so deficit? Your, your minimum deficit. Exactly. Whatever deficit that is going to give you the best result. Yeah. Times that by seven, that's going to give you your weekly caloric intake, right? That's your grand total number. Now you can take that deficit, make it smaller at a refeed day and still stay within that weekly. There you go. Does that make sense? It's kind of like a weird math thing. But um, so for example, if I was like, okay, well, I want a hundred more. Take, just take a little bit more out of each day and add it to that one day. Exactly. But yeah. keep it within that weekly budget. Yeah. But you can only find that weekly budget if you find your current, like the calorie deficit you need to be in and you times that by seven because that go. gives you seven days of the deficit. Um, but I mean, it could be as simple as like, oh, I want a hundred grams more carbs on that day. Okay. Well, a hundred divided by six, you're going to add about that. To your, to your refeed day. Exactly. Yeah. And you're going to pull that out of each day. There you six go. days because you have one refeed day. If yep. you have two refeed days, it'd be a little bit different. You could go uh, – you would do 100 divided by 5, and that would be 20, right? So you have 20, 20 grams Perfect. pulled out of each yeah. day and then added on to those days. Absolutely. Um, Sounds like that's exactly what she's looking yeah. for. Yeah. yeah, it's super, super easy. Um, and that's typically what – like when I'm creating a prescription for somebody, it's exactly what I do. I'm going to yeah. figure out and – I, and I even do this with people. Um, I created uh, – I was – creating one this morning for a new client and I have her on a seven to 10 day deficit with a three day refeed. So in the seven to 10 days is like, we're going to follow it for seven days ideally. But if you don't hit the amount of weight I want you to lose each week towards your goal, then we're going to extend that to 10 days. Right. Um, but I do the same thing and I just divide it by seven or times it by seven or by 10. I mean, because you still have to factor that in, even though her like diet week isn't seven days. It's actually 13 because if we did a 10-day deficit plus a three-day refeed, that's one cycle, Yeah. right? So you still do the math the same way. It's just on a different scale. Absolutely. And I think it's important to look at it that way versus a calendar week because 
your body doesn't give a fuck if it's Thursday, right? Like training is the same way. There's, there's, uh, micro cycles like built for you, the ebook that we have built for you is a, is a seven day micro cycle. So it's a seven day training week, like a normal calendar week, but you can change that to go upper, lower rest, upper, lower rest, upper, lower rest. And I think that ends up being 10 days. And if you do like four days of training per week, it ends up being uh, 13 or 14 days of a microcycle. It doesn't matter because by the end of the four rounds of that program, you're doing the same amount of volume, same amount of training session. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's good to not look at things from a calendar block. For sure. Yeah. I was, I, I was laughing inside because you always say with training, your muscles are stupid. Yeah. Your body's stupid. It's so funny. I told Travis that, uh, different Travis, uh, Travis Hunt that yesterday. Cause what did he say? He was like, so he's had like serious back issues. Yeah. And so he's always in here doing just he like surgery. Yeah. Yeah. No, he had, uh, well, he did stem cells. I don't, did he do surgery too originally in Portland? That was stem cells. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and so he's actually shout out to Karan Hawkins. Uh, he's, he's working with him on like a bunch of mobility stuff, but he'll come in do a ton of his mobility work. And then, uh, lately I mean, he watches me and CJ lift. He's like, dude, I just like, I feel like I need to do something. Yeah. Like I need, like I'm feeling better, but I don't want to hurt myself. Yeah. I was like, dude, just do some curls, do some lateral, like keep it simple. And he was like, well, what, what kind of curl should I do? I was like, I mean, it doesn't matter. He was like, well, I mean, what's best cable curl or dumbbell curl or barbell curl? Like, what would you recommend? I was like, bro, muscles are stupid. It doesn't matter. They just know resistance. Yeah. So if you're doing a curl, you're doing a curl. If you're doing a curl three times a week, there's reason to change. I mean, we just, did we post it? Yeah, we post that video where you're doing the different yep. joint angles. Yep. There's reasons for that. But for the most sense, it's just applied resistance. For sure. You know, it doesn't know that like, oh shit, this is a dumbbell. I'm going to grow differently. Yeah. It's like, this is applied resistance. This is hard. I need to get better, bigger, stronger in order to do this. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Just like your body doesn't know it's Thursday. Yeah, exactly. I need to get Tim Vagan. Uh, he was uh, – I always say college professor, but I don't think, I mean, he's a teacher. He's a mentor. I don't, it's, it's weird to say college professor if he's not like a scientist no. to me. That's 100% accurate. It's only if it's a scientist. No. All college teachers are professors. 100%. Okay. Well, I didn't know. It's, <laughs> it's just, I never call him. A professor is a never teacher at a, at a collegiate yeah. level. Well, I always talk, talk uh, call him a mentor because, I mean, outside of school, he, I shadowed him in his gym. Yeah. He introduced me to Luca. He's that was, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I need to get him on the podcast cause, uh, he's he the one that, uh, I did a thing for the school a couple weeks ago and he mentioned it. He was like, when are you going to have me on? And I was like, man, I wanted to get you down here, but when COVID, like, yeah. you know, so I told him, I was like, whenever you're ready, man, you can come down. Um, cause the school shut down, so we can't Dude. get there. But, um, he has like, that'd be wild for him to see this place. Oh yeah, I know. Just because he is the very first person. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's cool having conversations with him because he's watched literally. He was the first person in the industry I ever met. Yeah, because I was eighteen when I met him. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, I went to one of those speak speakings with you. He, you know, when you talked in front of his class, and yeah, he, he's always just like, you know, you guys could do this. This is the goal of this class. This is like he's kind of a ideal student that you know grew into what I preach here. Yeah, and stuff, and just like you know, he was kind of just. It's like a post. I'm a poster child. Sure. Or whatever, yeah. of, of what he's trying to, yeah. you know, teach. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he knows you have a good online business stuff, but to see this, behold him in ball game. Well, that's why he had, he brought me in to talk. I did zoom because with all this, they're like considering teaching about online coaching inside the, the uh, curriculum now, because it's, it's definitely did you a zoom call from here. Or from yeah. House? Yeah. From here. 
it's a valuable thing for them to know. No, I didn't. But, uh, but I was like teaching them about that. And, um, so yeah, it's just cool too, because it would be cool to have him on because of that, but also because his history and fitness dude is wild. I mean, he was smart. He was a college rower, which is, you have to be so jacked to be a collegiate rower. I want to say he was in Florida. I don't know if it was Tampa university or what, but, um, or USF or something, but he was a collegiate rower. And, uh, then he went on to train, um, Olympic swimmers. He trained some NFL people. He does a lot of rehab stuff. I watched him take somebody who had, he was in a race car driving accident. I think I want to say in Australia, like, uh, so they do traveled over here to work with Tim and, uh, and I might, that might be completely butchered. I don't know where I'm getting Australia, but I feel like he's from Australia, but he was in a wheelchair because he was paralyzed from this car accident, race car accident, waist down, couldn't move. Um, after however many years of working with Tim, he walks. He's totally fine. Sick. They're like, you'll never walk in. You're paralyzed. Like, yeah, there's no fixing that. Yeah. And Tim literally rehabbed him through movement and fitness. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I still actually don't understand. Yeah. Cause he's on another level with like nerve damage and stuff like that. But so smart and he knows so many people um gray cook charlie wangroff michael boyle uh dan john like all the legends in the space for people listening that are like old school trainers or just know the old school trainers he knows literally everybody wow like on a name name basis that's sick it's wild dude that's cool but um even susan kleiner i had her on the podcast and she was like oh i love tim i know tim yeah like just nuts so just fucking highline community college it would be so why is he a highline Yeah. Well, so Highline Community College got ranked like top three personal training institutes in the entire country when I was there. (laughs) Yeah. Because no other community colleges have a degree that you can get in personal training. Uh, It's literally my, my degree, two year degree is literally personal training and health coach. hmm. So the only non fitness classes I took was, I mean, biology, but to an extent you can still apply that to human physiology. Um, uh, I took business math, which could be applied. But when you walked out on? No. <laughs> that was business. That was, uh, I think that was business 101. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one I walked out on uh, before I got into this. But but yeah, two years straight of just all fit. I mean, business of personal training, business math, um, uh, risk, liability, and insurance. So you yeah. have a class just to learn about why personal trainers get sued, what can yeah. happen, how to avoid injuries, how to make a gym safe. Yeah. Uh, um, Biology, anatomy, nutrition, 101, nutrition, 201, like just so many classes, just crazy. Yeah. But the cool thing about that is we even had people come in and speak that were kinesiology majors, four-year mm. degrees at uh, places that were like, this is way better yeah. than what I ever attended. Because not come, that- Come into Highline? Yeah. yeah. Not, not because a kinesiology degree is not great, because that's what I was planning on pursuing afterwards. Um, I was going to go there for two years, and then I was going to transfer and continue and get a bachelor's in kinesiology. Is that the same as like anatomy of physiology? Uh, it's like exercise science. Okay. Basically the same thing. Um, but yeah, you have to have anatomy, physiology. You do a lot of those cl- kind of classes in there, um, as well as a lot of like training classes about energy systems and a lot of science. But they don't teach a ton. At least they didn't when I was there. So they might have changed this now. But I had people that were like, don't do it. Just go get experience because – we don't learn half the stuff that you guys learn in here about actually training people in real life, yeah. like actually running a business, actually connecting and communicating, actually prescribing macros and nutrition. Yeah. Like they don't learn that at those, uh, exercise science, at least for the majority of the colleges. For sure. Um, but I remember I reached out to a guy named Nate green who I always looked up to and was like, man, I'm, I'm going to pickle. Like, should I transfer? Should I go? Should I pursue this? 
And he was like, I have my degree. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I was like, damn, really? And he was like, man, like the program you're in is great. You're getting connected with Luca. I know Luca. Just go get experience. And I was like, all right. And when he said that, I was like, I'm not going to go. Yeah. I took his word and, and just started interning and working for free. And I'm really glad I did because it gave me a head start. Yeah. You know, but. It's actually a, such a early start in, in life. Yeah. 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 It's, it, I, I wish that Highland Community College was in like downtown Seattle because I think because it's in Des Moines, it doesn't get the notoriety that it could because it's such a good fucking program. Yeah. But it's in Des Moines. Like, Who else besides Tim makes it so, so good? Uh, I mean, Tim is the head director, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the board of directors. So like, if you go, like I, I would have to go to meetings like once or twice a year, but if you go to those meetings, I mean, (laughs) they're not going to like, I don't get paid for it. So I'm like, but I want to participate in making the program better. And and I agreed to be on the board. So basically it's like a round table of like graduates and or fitness professionals. Luca was on there. Dan Swinsko, the PT was on there, like a bunch of really, uh, really successful people. Yeah. And we're all on the board and just making the program better, giving our feedback and stuff, Hmm. which is really cool. Um, but I think that like, I just think that Des Moines is not, yeah, the most ideal spot. I mean, it's for a reco- for, uh, <laughs> yeah, but for, uh, not recognition, but, uh, yeah, like getting your name out there. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think people are going to think to go to Highline for that. Exactly. Kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, but yeah, cool. Be dope to have them on. Uh, next question is from, I'm going to butcher this from Kate Markiek. Mark Kinyak. Hi. Hey, Kate. I just found your podcast, and I have been devouring all the info. Here's my question. As a functional nurse practitioner, I have constantly been asked about weight loss. I do refer to nutrition coaches in our area, but how would you address the nutritional needs of a sedentary client, which is, or in parentheses, non-athlete, and those who walks a few miles as weak as their only exercise? How like so basically how would I describe their nutrition? But how would you address the nutritional needs of a sed- sedentary client? Probably. Yeah. Um. Usually, it, 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 I think it all depends on where their starting point is. Because if somebody comes to me and they're like, "I'm sedentary. I don't train. However, I am already pretty lean. I have a good like baseline muscle mass, so on and so forth." I'm probably going to say, hey, we're going to track macros. We're going to dial those in. We're going to periodize this. We're going to like get kind of specific with your diet because you're already lean. You're not training. So the, yeah. tra- like, the training is going to be a great stimulus for, for physical change and adaptation, but you're not doing that. So we need to throw everything we can with the nutrition. On the cr- contrary, if this sedentary individual is 100 pounds overweight – it's a completely different ball game. Yeah. You know, how I, how I go about their nutrition. Um, if they're a hundred pounds overweight, I'm, I'm assuming that, um, their joints are probably achy. I'm assuming they're not in the healthiest position on a physiological level, on a yeah. blood work level. Um, and I would also assume that they have pretty poor eating habits. I mean, you kind of have to do to get, when you get to that point. So I'm going to address those eating habits. I'm going to address their mindset. I'm going to address sleep and stress, and I'm going to include healthy foods. I'm not going to exclude unhealthy foods, which I think is the biggest tip for you, uh, being in the position you're in is avoid trying to restrict things from people. Because if, if I see somebody that's really overweight and sedentary, of course, if I say technically, if you remove this, this, this from your diet, you're going to do better, right? Stop drinking pop, stop eating cookies, stop going to the fast food. Don't do those. You'll lose weight. But now I'm telling them no, no, no. And I'm not giving them any positive reinforcement. Correct. So instead I'm, I'm going to say, Hey, drink all the fucking pop you want. 
go to the go to fast food as much as you want, but I need you to eat four meals a day, and each meal has to have a protein source in it. So if you want to go fast food that bad, bring a protein shake with you, right? Two things are going to happen. One, they get the protein in first. It's going to satiate them a little bit. They're more likely to eat less during that meal. Um, there's also a good blood sugar response to that before a meal. Uh, but two, you can't go eat junk and get a healthy protein source. Yeah. It's like damn near impossible unless you add a chicken breast to your, your McDonald's buns. Exactly. Like you had, like there's no way around it. Yeah. So if I tell them to add those things in, now they are slowly removing those bad habits because they're adding in new habits by choice. Um, and it's, that's just a mindset thing. You know, it's, it's just, a, it's shifting their brain from don't and restrict to do and, and add in. And that's usually the best way to go about general folks that are sedentary that don't have a lot of experience dieting at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's probably, I mean, that's probably what I got. Probably attack habits, uh, probably add in good things like water, fish oil, uh, protein, vegetables, fruit, um, shifting to like low glycemic carbs. Not that the glycemic index really matters, but things that are low glycemic are typically healthier carbs. So oats, sweet potatoes, stuff like that. Um, and I think just adding in those, those small, slowly but surely adding in those different habits over time, I think is going to be the best bet. Yeah. That's, uh, two things. That's what Joe's is going into functional nurse practitioner. Oh, dope. And second of all, what if these clients, like what if, like I'm assuming from what Joe's told me, some their clients will be like people that physically can't train. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, 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 they're like bedridden or they're, or, or recovering. Yeah. from something yeah. you know that's why they all they can do is walk a couple mile, a few miles a week yeah you know like half a mile each day or something yeah you know what i mean um it, it's, it's not the fact they don't want to yeah train, yeah but these are people in their 60s 70s and, right probably going to be the same thing I yeah mean, no i agree anybody who can walk i'm going to tell them to walk but even if if that's even a struggle i think the the more healthy you eat the more protein you get uh maybe even adding in Just some collagen fish oil your body's going to be healthier. Yeah. Yeah. Your joints are going to feel better. You're going to be able to move more. So on and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah, so. All right. Cool. Uh, next question comes from Jordan Bradford. 04. I'm just in the beginning processes of starting my own online personal training and nutrition coaching business. I wanted to let you know that you and Brad Jensen are, are that are the two that I am looking up to and idolize the most. I really love your approach to coaching and the way you break down and explain your points on the podcast. Any tips or pointers to a person that's just starting out? Shout out to the sober bodybuilder, Brad Jensen, new dad. Dude's a gangster. He is a gangster. I, I love that guy. He's honestly he's one of the funniest people I've ever met, yeah. too. Oh my god. He's so good to talk to. So goofy. So goofy. Um great guy. Uh so his uh his actual question were what tips? For someone that's just starting out. Okay. So he DM'd me and I actually said, Yo, do you mind if I just do this on the podcast? Because that's like that's such a hard DM to write. Yeah. Um, but I mean like kind of like the last podcast we did yeah. the top five. Thing. Yeah. And I wonder if he asked this before that came out. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, maybe we'll link it in the show notes. If sure. you can listen to that one, I think that's, uh, cause we, we hammered out some good ones yeah. on the podcast. Um, but I think like for anybody starting out, like there, there's a few like hard, like for sure things I would do. Um, I would first read the book, start with why. Because I think Wait, it'll... so it's Start With Why? Yeah, that's the book. I think it's by Simon Sinek. Or Start With The Book. Why? No, Start With The Book, Start With Why. So okay. the book's actually titled Start With Why. There we go. Um, but it's really good book on... It, it, it tells a lot of stories of other companies that did things right, 
but it helps you kind of discover your why. Like, mm. Why are you starting a business in the first place? Um, and I think that's important because you need to share your story and your message in order to build something powerful. And, and, and if, if this is who I'm thinking of, what was his name? Jordan Bradford. Yeah. Um, we were kind of going back and forth a little bit. Very, very powerful story. Um, lost his daughter. It, it, it made him go into fitness. It was the only thing he can control in his life. And that's why he's starting a business. So I was like, dude, you have such a powerful story. You need to share that. Yeah. Like you need to preach that message because it shows how fitness and nutrition can get you through any hardship. Right. I think that's why right now I, I do think the fitness community is a really cool place because I mean, there's obviously there's always bullshit in the fitness community yeah. and fake people. And, and there's so much chaos and sadness going on in the world right now that I think a lot of people are choosing fitness, are choosing training, are choosing running, are choosing activity, they're choosing yoga and meditation and all these different health components because it's something that they can control to try to put them in a good place, right? And a time where it's really hard to be in a good place. Like I'll be the first to admit, this is probably the most stressful, anxiety-ridden time I've ever lived through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, it's really, really cool, but sharing that story helps people get through that as well during their hard times. Uh, but start with why is a great book to help you understand that. Um, I would read story brand uh, or building a story brand. I think any business owner needs to read that. It's, it's such a powerful book to tell you how to share your message the right way. Um, and connect to people story brand built building a story brand. There you go. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be attending the workshop. It's, it's virtual obviously, but I just got to make sure it works on my schedule, but it's like a two day workshop from those guys, which would be really cool. Um, but, uh, that would be another one. I would read the leader who had no title because I think that's just a, a really good book to show you how to work fucking hard, yeah. uh, no matter where you're at in the company, like everybody's equal. Everybody needs to put in the same amount of effort. Um, and then I would read the one thing. So I know there's a lot of books, but I, uh, the one thing is going to help you narrow your focus to understand what you are best at, uh, because eventually you're going to have to learn how to delegate what you're not best at and what your superpower isn't. And then just focus on what your superpower is. Um, and then, uh, so read those books. I got a that, question. Yeah. What, what is that Ferrari book? Uh, the monk who sold his Ferrari. Yeah. yeah. Really good book. I actually thought about getting the audio book and listening to that. Um, I've already read it. I read it like five years ago though, six years ago. Yeah. That's by the same guy who wrote the leader who had no title. Ah. Um, I think it's a different perspective. So the leader who had no title is, is just like it sounds. I mean, a leader has no title. So it's a story about a guy who owned a company but nobody knew he owned the company because he was like doing janitorial work and like just random shit all the time because he cares about his business so much. It doesn't matter if he's at the top of the totem pole. And the reason like totem pole, <laughs> totem pole, <laughs> um, <laughs> word jumble. Uh, but it really, really good story about just like basically working hard no matter what. For and sure. then the monk who sold his Ferrari, um, from what I remember, is more about finding what's what matters in life. Mm -hmm. You know, the monk who sold his Ferrari. He was a lawyer that was super rich. But he was so depressed and sad and just lost. He sold his Ferrari, moved to was either India or Thailand or something, and went to a monastery and like stayed with the monks. And it's a crazy story. I don't think it's a true story, but it's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Robin Sharma is a great author. So, but um, read those books. Uh, I would start looking at people's websites and understanding what you want to deliver on your website. Um, whether you can afford to cr have somebody design your website or not, you should probably look into that and start considering what you want to do because that's your business card. 
really. Like when people search you or find you or want to check your background, they're going to go to your website, right? And if you have a shitty website, it's not a good representation of, of who you are. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, a lot of people recommend not worrying about websites because everything's on social media. You don't need a website. I've always disagreed with that because people start on social media. Eventually, they're going to Google yep. you or they're yep. going to go look at your yep. website. And that's a representation a of all the information you have. I mean, yeah. it's like same thing like – if you find a plumber on Instagram, are you just going to like DM him? No, you're going to go to Google and search him, make sure he's a good plumber, yeah. right? Because if you DM him, he's going to tell you he's a great plumber no matter yeah. what. Yeah. I don't know why he's plumber all the time. <laughs> plumber on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing. Yeah. But no, yeah. A, a business. <laughs> yeah. You know, Period. But the fact that like you're, you're not going to find and, – and you can't put videos, you can't put content on your – well, you can put content on your Instagram, but you know what I mean? You can just put – way more relevant information on your website. Yeah, 100%. Um, and another good example of that is like, you know, people people will hit up guys who are ripped on Instagram and just be like, ask them for coaching or whatever, right? You're not going to do that with somebody who's like great at guitar. Yeah. Like, yo, can you teach me how to play guitar? It's like, what? That's like either A, it's not what I do. I'm in a band or B, go to my website and, and like apply and look at this and, and there's free lessons on there, whatever it is. Um but yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to be really important. I think knowing who your audience is, but not worrying too much about a niche is important. Um, you know, like you should have a niche, but you should also be willing to help anybody at first, right? And and I think the the biggest oh, yeah. thing is is like find your niche by creating content that really resonates with you and people like you, and then just create a ton of it and just keep creating, keep creating. You should be studying every single day, um, and just be patient. Like, I think it's uh, one of those things where a lot of people are like, how do I get this going? How do I build this? How, like, what are my first steps? The first steps are like learning and producing and just being patient as hell because it takes time. Yeah. And if, if you're trying to rush the process, the quality of what you're doing is not going to be good. Absolutely. And people are going to feel that. And I yeah. think it's important to always put quality first. Agreed. So I think if you put quality first, then you'll get better and faster at putting good quality content out, 100%. which will spread. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, I would recommend uh, re uh, listening to our last podcast. Um, the one of the last questions on there. You can look in the show notes. Episode uh, four hundred something. Yeah, four hundred fifty-six. So, was it really the? It wasn't the last podcast we did. Correct. As we're listening, or as we're recording this, the last podcast we did. Oh yeah, it was a, we did a Q and A on Tuesday. Bingo. Do you, do you know who puts up the podcast? <laughs> 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 Man, it's like you edit them or yes. something. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. All right, next one is uh, Therma Rune Maven. That's a pretty sweet name. Mm. I've struggled for this for years, but I consistently wake up in the middle of the night absolutely starving. Dang. Happens when I'm in a cut and when I'm just chilling at maintenance. Chilling. Uh, yesterday, for example, I ate 200 grams of, grams of protein. I'm 5'7", 140, and around 19% body fat for the reference. And here I am, 2 in the morning, scarfing down a damn protein bar. What do I do? Please help this hungry soul. So she's in a cut, and she's waking up in the middle of the night to just eat. Well, and, uh, I guess it happens when she's at maintenance also. Mm. But, uh... So does she, does she drop any stats of her body weight or calories or anything like that? I mean, no. She ate 200 grams of protein and still starving. So there's a few things I would say. Like, number one, if if what I say doesn't help, shoot me an email, Cody at tailoredcoachingmethod.com um, because I, I would need more data. Yeah. Like, I need to know what's your weight, what is your maintenance because a lot of times people – 
like that person I created a prescription for today, the reason I was helping her is because she's been trying to lose and she's not. Yeah. And so she was eating about 2000 calories, right? And she's pretty active. So it's a, it's a good amount of calories for her. Or I mean, it's not like a ton of calories for her, but I calculated her maintenance to be about 2250, which tells me that her maintenance is probably between 2000 and 2500. But if she's at 200, she's still within her maintenance. She's sure. at the bottom of that maintenance. Even though she cut 300 calories and didn't lose weight, she's like, why aren't I losing? It's because you're still in that maintenance. So um, sometimes it happens in the reverse. And that's why I'm saying to her, like, are you actually in maintenance? You actually might still be in a deficit, and that's why you're hungry. Um, the other side of it is as simple as food selection. Like, what foods are you choosing? Like, are you choosing foods that have high fiber? Are you choosing foods that are very micronutrient-dense? Are you choosing foods – um, that have enough water in it, that have enough sodium with it? Are you adding sodium to it? Because if you're depleted in sodium electrolytes, uh, you're dehydrated, you, you're missing vitamins and minerals. Um, if you're training a ton, sweating a ton, and, and drinking a ton of water, which means you're urinating a ton, you're going to be depleting water-soluble vitamins. Are you pretty lean? Because if you're super lean, you might be depleting fat-soluble uh, vitamins. Did she say 5'7", five, five, 140. Uh, I mean, that doesn't seem... Nope. Brain's pretty lean. Yeah. So my assumption is is probably you're not at maintenance, even though you think you are. I think you probably need to reverse diet a little bit higher. Um, and you might be depleting. I mean, when people get lean, that's why I always say, like, take a multivitamin, take a green drink. Shout out to Top Notch Nutrition. Um, it's a little shameless plug. Uh, but do those things when you're doing a cut and you're getting super lean because the leaner you get, the more likely you are to deplete fat-soluble vitamins. They, they bind to fat. Yeah. Right. And water, soluble vitamins bind to water. If you're depleting water because you're you're sweating, training, urinating, so on and so forth, you're gonna be depleting those as well. Um, so it could be a micronutrient thing, could be a stress thing, could it could even be like a, a food selection and a meal timing thing. Like if you're eating all your calories in the morning and then you're like eating small meals at night, mm. that's probably why you're waking up hungry. Yeah. So maybe I always find it best, like I do best when I have one big meal in the morning and then one big meal at night, and then I have like a small meal in the middle of the day. It just always seems to work out best for me. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are a few things that I would do. Otherwise, I would need a little bit more data to see all your stats. But I think, I think honestly, I think it's just a food timing thing or you're just not really at maintenance. And if you're super lean, like, I think people need to stop, like, teeter-tottering on the edge. You're either in a deficit, get ready, grind, cut, or you're out of that deficit clearly and you're at maintenance yeah. and you're feeling good because – if you're at maintenance, you shouldn't be having crazy cravings. You should be sleeping great. You shouldn't have super high stress. You should have progressive training. Um, and if you're not, you're probably just not there yet. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at maintenance and in a deficit is a significant difference. It should be. It yeah. should be, yeah. I not mean, to where like, hey, I'm 200, so 200 calories up now. I'm yes and no. The only reason I say yes and no is because um, it's a significant difference on how you feel. Okay. But it can be a very small difference in calories, right? Because she, let's say she's at 2,000 and she's like not feeling it and we bump her to 2,100 and she starts feeling great. That was just that little tip over maintenance. You know what I mean? It's it's that much of a difference. Now, okay, well, for somebody who's dieting on 1,500 calories and their maintenance is 2,100, we need to add 600 calories yeah. to get them feeling better. So it can be a big difference or it can be like very incremental differences until you finally pass that threshold. So – but. Again, this might be the exact same answer, but the the difference between app maintenance that meant like you talked about earlier that minimum app maintenance mm -hmm. or that minimum deficit to where you are losing weight, not like going over that, but just finding that minimum calorie uh, intake. 
to get you in a deficit to, to where you're losing weight, that is usually a – Yeah. I mean, you it, shouldn't be losing weight in a deficit 100 less calories than where you're at at maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you, unless the only way that would ever happen is like if you're at maintenance, uh, if you're at the bottom end of your maintenance. So again, going back to the client example I had, her maintenance is probably somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500. I calculated it as 2,250 <laughs> dead center of that. Um, but if she was maintaining quote unquote at 2,000 and then went to 1,900, she probably would lose weight because yeah. that's below her range. But the problem with that is, is if you're at the bottom of that maintenance range for a long time, then that's going to become your new maintenance and that yeah. maintenance range is going to lower there because you go. metabolic adaptation for sure um so i always say like find try to find like your estimated range and then try to push to maximize that range okay like get to the top of that range and then stay there gotcha because that's the most calories you can consume without gaining unnecessary weight exactly what i was thinking all right cool um next one comes from amy this has got to be Keep facebook <laughs> no uh emails they fill oh, out the form. I'm just like, your Instagram's not Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, guys, there's a form in the show notes. You can ask questions there. Uh, this one has a lot of data. I've been reverse dieting since March, and I've gained 10 pounds going from 1,300 to 1,700 calories. I'm still creeping up, and measurements are going up. I'm 5'9", 160 pounds, and lift four times a week. I'm an active mom outside of lifting, so I know my maintenance should be higher. How long do I keep going and gaining? I need to get to a higher calorie level to be able to cut, but I'm way past my comfort point of body fat. I hate saying this, but hire a coach. That's so hard. Yeah. Like, not only because why do you hate saying that? Because I don't want like I don't want this podcast to be yeah. a selling thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not the the goal of this podcast is to give free but valuable at that, information. But at that point, I don't. It, it's hard to do something else. Yeah, because two things. One. It's almost like it's, they're trying to do it themselves. Yeah. And it's a finicky area, right? Like, so what is the strategy to use to get through that? Yeah. I don't know. There like, be there's a couple of them. At least. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, a bunch. Um, so what's going to work for you? I don't know. Like, it, it could be like, you know, you could be not getting enough sleep and just not managing stress. Your training could be not that great. And we could really optimize your training. And then you start losing weight right? During the reverse, because your training's not optimal. Um, maybe your step count's really low. Maybe again, stress is too high. Um, maybe you're increasing calories the wrong way. You know, like maybe your protein's super low and you're increasing fats because, uh, a lot of people will increase fats during reverse. Cause they're like, Oh, I want to get my hormones proper. Well, your hormones will be fine at a lower fat point. As long as it's at the minimum threshold, get your carbs up, get your protein up. So your adrenals, your stress glands, all that stuff recovery. is not taxed. Right. Um, and protein is, is a nutrient that's going to help recovery without adding fat. So you can really increase that, um, during this time without worrying about anything. Um, so there's so many things that I could potentially do, but like on top of that, the difficult part here is the psychology behind reverse dieting. If you're already up, what, 10 pounds, you said, uh, yeah, 10 pounds. Since I March. know that's one, it's tough yeah. Two, it's, it's demotivating. Um, you probably want to give up, you know, like you need accountability. You need somebody to talk you off the ledge. You need somebody to show you the path and what this is going to look like. Um, and most likely somebody that's going to push you to just get it done because if you're, or if you're gaining weight now, but you know, you need more calories. So you're like just barely inching up. You're, you're basically just prolonging the process of gaining weight and feeling that way because whether you add 10 carbs a week or 40 right out the gate instead of waiting a month, you're going to gain the same amount of weight. It's either you gain it in a week, you gain it in four weeks, gain the weight, 
get your body feeling better, and then you can get into a deficit sooner because your body hasn't been hurt as long. I don't like using the word hurt, but it hasn't been Taxed. under that stress, yeah, yep. for as long. Um, so yeah, it's really hard for me to give you an exact answer. Um, but and, and then the other side of this too is like, how lean are you? Because I've 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 run into women that um, I've gone on the five, phone five with. nine one sixty. Five nine is pretty tall for a girl, so that's yeah. I mean that's that's lean. Yeah, that's like Shannon's height. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I've gotten the, on calls with women who are signing up for coaching with us and they are going through something similar. They're like, oh, I've already gained five pounds. I just don't know how to do this reverse. Like I'm really worried about like gaining too much weight. And I'm like, totally get where you come from. Let's get started. Get started. They send their pictures and I'm like, you're shredded. Yeah. Like if you gain five pounds, like one, it's probably all muscle glycogen Two, If there is a little bit of fat, it's healthy fat because you're so lean, you're leaner than me and I'm a guy. Um, and, and hormonally speaking, guys can typically be leaner and, and stay healthier for a longer period of time. Um, so sometimes it's, it's a body image thing, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. are you really, is it really that bad of weight or are you just stuck on like your mind stuck on a scale number, which yeah. is really common too, which is a hard trap to be in for sure. But again, it comes back to a coach, yeah. like having somebody to talk to, having somebody who understands, having somebody to, to ease be the mind. one, ease your mind, be the one adjusting the numbers, keep you accountable. Yeah. Um, that's what I would recommend. The amount of people we've put through reverse diets is honestly insane. Like if looking like because it was especially when I first started building the team, I think that was like at a point where reverse dieting started really becoming more well known, more understood and like properly prescribed because there were so many people going through these crazy crash diets before that time. Um, so, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah mainly women going through reverse diets with us. For sure. um, so if you or need comment. help, reach out, click the button in the show notes, apply, like jump on a free call, talk to the coach, just see where you're at. Um, and at the least they can help you. If not, they can make sure it's a good fit for to sure. work with us and we will be able to help you even more. Yep. So our last uh, training nutrition question today, is going to be from Alessa. Alisa. We should finish. Alessa. There's a book question. We should finish. I that. said the last nutrition and training question. Oh, okay, cool. You got it. Cause I was gonna say that's like a personality one. I know. I only listen to 50% of what you say. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I keep one ear plugged. <laughs> I've lost a lot of muscles during the past month due to hormonal issues. Especially my core has gotten very weak. My six pack abs are almost gone. What are the best exercises to strengthen the core ASAP and get my six pack back? Thank you so much. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, Usually I take those comments out of the questions, but usually they're at the beginning. Usually yeah. they're like, hey, I love your podcast. Thanks so much. Here's my question. I usually delete that. Um, this one's funny to me because the best way to reveal your abs is probably going to be making sure you, you diet properly and lose weight. So at, like muscle is rebuilt super quick. I shouldn't say super. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. But I mean, if you spend two months not really training and losing muscle tissue, it, it'll take two weeks, you know, like it's not going to be that crazy. So get back to normal training. Just get back to doing regular ab exercises. I always say like do uh, spinal flexion in, in both regular and reverse fashion. So uh, spinal flexion would be like a crunch or a sit up. And then in reverse fashion, it'd be like a reverse crunch or a hanging knee raise. Uh, basically bringing your hips to your shoulders or bringing your shoulders to your hips. Um, do some kind of plank variation for stability. Uh, do some kind of anti-rotation. And then do some kind of uh, carry, right? If you do a carry, anti-rotation, stability, and then both spinal flexion variations, you've basically tapped out all functional movements of the core and you're going to build more muscle in your core. 
Um, but you're not going to see that muscle unless you burn fat. So, um, the best thing for you to do, honestly, is just get back to training, get back to training regularly. And then, uh, just, just actually follow a good diet, lose weight and lose body fat. And and you'll rebuild that muscle tissue as you're dieting for fat loss. And it'll kind of be like this simultaneous, like rebuilding of tissue and losing fat tissue for sure. Um, and you'll get the result you want to get. Dope. Uh, all right. So to the question you were talking about, uh, it's kind of a personality question we got from T grace. Can you name your top two books on nutrition and top two on fitness health? Two is a weird number to choose. Usually it's like, well, I like two better than three. See, I like three because it's like top three makes sense. Top five, top three. Sometimes I top can five, think top of five, three. Top five. It's a Drake song, right? Uh, fully aware. Okay. Yeah. I actually didn't know. I just hear yeah. people say top it five, top five, top it five. It is. Um, but I feel like I usually think like what's my number one or my top three. Um, We're going to think different today. I was thinking it was just books in general, so you were going to be able to answer two, but I, I'm assuming you don't have a top two no. training book. I would say, I mean, top two training and nutrition, like one of them on both categories is going to be the muscle and strength pyramids by Eric Helms, Andy Morgan, and Andrea Valdez. Um, there's a nutrition version and a training version. Um, they are more geared towards like bodybuilding, but I think bodybuilding is the science of sculpting your body. So if you're a coach or a trainer or a nutritionist, you should probably study bodybuilding. And those are like the encyclopedias. Like they are Mm -hmm. like literally the Bible of nutrition coaching or training because there's just so much information in it. It's, it's for some people like that I've recommended to, they'll email me. They'll be like, this is overwhelming. Like there's so much in here. You're like, yeah, understood. (laughs) Take your time. Uh, but that, those will be in, in the, um, training and nutrition for sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of like sciencey books that I like. Like I'm looking at the science and development of muscle hypertrophy. There's two versions of that. One and two are great. Um, there's bodybuilding by uh, Fitchin and Wilson, which is that's kind of both. Practical programming is a classic. Um, I mean, even like the NASM textbook, the precision nutrition textbook. But I, I can't really say one's better than the other because they're all like dry science textbooks. So I think my favorite other training book is going to be uh, the Max Muscle Bible by Christian Thibodeau and Paul Carter, um, two people who I've got to know over the years and I've always looked up to and just read their articles and absorbed their content. Um, and, and there is some science in there, obviously, but there's also a lot of like just real world grinding in the gym. Like I think there's so much push to being evidence-based now that people forget about just experience. Like there's people that have just trained – in fucking Dungeness gyms yeah. for so long that they have so much valuable information um, about just what's worked. They, you can't, they, they have things that you can't really do a study on, right? Or you can't find people to do a study on it because you, it's very hard to find advanced bodybuilders or powerlifters to do work on. Yeah. They're on their own world doing their Train. own thing. They don't want you to manipulate what they're yep, doing for yep, a study. Yep. Um, but the Max Muscle Bible like goes through countless reps set intensity wave loading like different schemes of how to program just big lifts accessory lifts split your programs throughout the week um, it talks about the different adaptations that occur in different rep ranges and different intensities and different styles of training um, and, and as a coach it just gives you so many creative ideas of how to tweak your programming to make it more fun for clients um, and a big part of that is like if you can make it more fun, it will be more intense and they will get better results. Yeah. So sometimes it's not just about volume, intensity, and frequency. It's about having fun so those things improve um, indirectly. Dope. Um, so that would be my other training one. 
For nutrition. Um, Didn't you name nutrition first? Yeah. Well, I said the muscle and strength pyramids for nutrition and training because there's a version of both. And then uh, I said Max Muscle Bible for training is the second one. Second one on nutrition is probably going to be – man, that's hard. I, I like – I, I, I feel like I follow more of the principles inside of fat loss forever, but I really enjoyed reading deep nutrition. Deep mm-hmm. nutrition is like kind of goes into the history. I mean, it even talks about like history of nutrition. Yeah. It talks about like ancient native Americans and what they did for their diet. Like it's a really interesting book. Weird. Um, or not, I guess I say weird, but I mean interesting. Yeah. It's, like, it's really cool. And it, and it talks a lot about like pregnancy and what to do and avoid there. And like, there's so many cool things inside of it. So, um, I really enjoyed that book, but I also like fat loss forever. So it's kind of like a tie. Um, I think fat loss forever is is a staple. There's just so much good information there for a coach, but deep nutrition is just like a fun read. It's cool. There had to have been so many complications back in the day when there wasn't like medicine, obviously medicine, but like, you know, I guess there wasn't McDonald's either. So, I mean, they like, ate a lot. I mean, the, what they did though is like you, you hunt, like yeah. a, let's say you hunt a, uh, a buffalo. Yeah. They eat everything. Yeah. Like they take all the bones, they make bone marrow, and they have broth, yeah. right? There's tons of nutrients in that. They eat the <sighs> tendons, the tongue, the ligaments, the intestines, the, like everything. There's so many nutritional, that, like so much micronutrients inside of every aspect of it. Disgusting. I wouldn't eat half the stuff, but super good for you. You know what they would do? So, like a, a buffalo, for example eats a ton of grass and leaves and all yeah. that stuff, right? All those leaves and grass and greens and everything goes in their intestines. And when it's in the intestines, it ferments, right? Fermented foods are natural probiotics to help digestion. Touché. So when people would be sick or have issues with gut, they would literally take the the grass out of the intestines and feed it to sick people as a natural probiotic for healing. Damn. Wild. That's wild. Yeah. That's cool though. That's like, the kind of shit that's really cool for me to read. I was yeah. like, man, this is super fascinating. <laughs> I think Native American culture is super fascinating yeah. in general. I've watched some documentaries on it too, but um but yeah, that's a really cool book just to if you just want to geek out on just random stuff inside of nutrition. Yeah. And some of it I don't a hundred percent like now that so much science has come out about like calories being really the most important thing, um, a lot of it I'm like, eh, I think that's kind of been debunked, uh, but the historical side of the book is super cool. Could you imagine if – I don't know if illegal is the right word, but if like – if fast food was not legal, you know what I mean? Like America would be so much healthier. Dude, it would be crazy. But like think of like your product in your restaurant or whatever you want to call that that establishment had to pass a test. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Of, like, like health markers. Of health standards. Yeah. And like even – okay, and then people say, okay, well, then some people wouldn't be able to afford to eat because, you know – such a low income, like you have to go to fast food or whatever. But I think raise the. I think they would lower the price of food, possibly because one of the reasons why really good quality food and restaurants are so expensive is because there's low bottom end foods. Correct. So I think uh, there's easily a way to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, th- I think like if they made there was like standards of like you can't have uh, more than this much fat or uh, trans fat or saturated fat inside of a like each serving or yeah. something like that or like. Um, yeah, that would be, dude, that would be But dope. I think it, I we, hate to say this, but it stimulates the an economy so much. It does, but, but that would make the world so much healthier. So much better. I think we would find other ways to stimulate the economy. I, absolutely. I'm not saying I think we should People got to eat. Yeah. The re- fast food restaurants would adapt. Yeah. They would do things differently. True. You know, and like, I mean, I get, guarantee Chipotle could pass some of those tests. Yeah. You know? I, so I don't like, consider that fast food, but. 
but that's I guess not by saying. standard. But like, definition. if you look at like, yeah, the definition of fast food, convenience, and how much things cost relative to how much you're getting, it, it's fast food. True. You know? Yeah. I mean, they said they brought, uh, you see, they brought $5 footlongs back at Subway. No. <laughs> it was funny because I was like, man, I want to get a sub. Like, that sounds good. I haven't had a Subway in the, like, last time I had a Subway was, I think, like, it was actually like a year ago. Um, going over to Ellensburg, like we we're leaving and I was like, I'm starving. The only thing was like this subway attached to a gas station. Yeah. And it was fire. You it know, was actually really good. But this commercial brought up $5 footlongs and I was like, dope, they're back. And then right at the end, it says when you buy two, uh, and you're like, what the hell? So I got to buy two footlongs for it to be $5. They used to just be five bucks and it's 10 bucks. Yeah. Bullshit. Uh, don't quote me on this, but do you know that it's one of these stats, but the, the actual subway in Ellensburg is the like highest grossing subway in either the Pacific Northwest or Washington. No way. Yeah. Wow. Just because it's like it's on I ninety. Yeah. And everybody's traveling either through in the United out, States. Right by the roundabout. I mean, you right by about? the freeway. Yeah. 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 But yeah. but the in town one because there's no uh, actually there is no other one actually. Yeah, I don't think there is. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I went to. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't attached to a gas station. But the one I went to was it was attached to like a mini mart. Yeah, no. So maybe it's a different one. Oh, that one you're talking about. Oh, yeah. shit, you're right. There's that a, that yeah. was not the one I'm talking okay. about. Okay, roundabout right outside. That one's probably popular too because the school. The next exit. The college is over there yeah. too. So the next exit is also Ellensburg. Yeah. There's two of them. Yeah, yeah. But you're talking about the one, uh, like, it's a truck stop. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that one. But anyway. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more again to get you better results. The second thing, Head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.